Matthew 18, 1 through 5. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among him. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Amen. How many glad to be a, belong to a church that believes in the next generation? Can I get an amen? And there's nothing short of a move of God that's happening in our youth ministry under the leadership of Pastor Emily Zimmerman and her amazing crew. Kids are coming to faith. Kids are growing. Kids are getting A's in classes. Come on, how many know revival looks like all of that stuff? Um, finding purpose and destiny in their family in the house of God, and I say amen to that. And I'm going to get emotional, so I'm going to move on. Well, if you've been with us at all, my name's Chad, and I'm one of the pastors here. It's an honor to welcome you. And uh, we've been looking through the month of August just on basic, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to follow Jesus? And I believe this passage is one of the most central passages that really set, set us up to succeed and to flourish and thrive in this thing called the kingdom of God. And I like to think of the kingdom of God as this, when God is in charge, when God is reigning, when God is ruling, when he's calling the shots, when his will is being done, that's what the kingdom of God is, amen? It's when God's on the throne. People flourish when God's on the throne, amen? Sinners are forgiven when God is on the throne, right? The sick are healed when God is reigning and on his throne. The lonely find family when God is on his throne. Those that generally society pushes on the margins find themselves right at the heart of what God is up to when God is on the throne. That's what this passage is all about. You see, in Jesus's day, like in our day, many times we view children as a distraction, if you're honest, with yourself. Out of mind, out of sight. Who's ever heard that one? Who's ever said that one? Okay, I'm not the only one. Jesus in this passage radically confronts us. He confronts us on the lines that we draw that say, you're in and you're out. He confronts us in our propensity to measure authority and greatness by means of size and stature. And Jesus comes like he always does and he pulls the rug out of our expectations and he puts us right side up. The children. This passage cuts through the grain of our cultural moment with all of this talk of greatness. And usually when you think of greatness, you think of big and you think of powerful and you think of someone who has means and who went to the right school and education, who has the most followers. But Jesus looks us straight in the eye and says, guys, you've got greatness backwards. Let me show you what greatness is like. It has nothing to do with your position. It has everything to do with your posture. Someone say, it has nothing to do with my position. Position has everything to do with my posture. This passage cuts us, but Jesus being the amazing, compassionate, loving king, he cuts us so that he can open us up, challenge our assumptions, 
challenge our prejudices so that he can stuff us with his life instead, with his kingdom life. Jesus is about ready to shock us so much that he has to grab an object lesson to communicate what he's about to teach. How many know Jesus is the master teacher? Who's the greatest? This rabbi, this traveling teacher and preacher, I've been memorizing some of Matthew 4 in my quiet time. The Lord's been challenging me to ratchet up my memory game. And so I've been, this, I'll just quote some of the verses I've been working on. In Matthew chapter 4, it says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing all of those who had sicknesses and diseases. The scripture says news about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases. Those suffering with severe pain, those who were having seizures, those who were demon possessed and those who were paralyzed and the scripture tells us that Jesus just healed them. <laughs> Teaching, proclaiming, healing. Come on, some, say it with me. Teaching, proclaiming and healing. And then it says this, large crowds, someone say large crowds began to follow him from all over Galilee and the Decapolis of the 10 cities, Jerusalem, Judea, and the entire region across the Jordan. Beloved, the disciples' question was not unfounded. Jesus was making ripples, massive waves in his culture and in his time. If you agree, say amen. So the natural question is, if I'm with this guy who's astounding the masses and the crowds and he's healing and he's forgiving and he's redeeming and he's raising dead people and he's spitting in dirt and putting it in people's eyes that they're seeing and he's forgiving sin, which is only something God can do, you might want to ask too, well, who is the greatest in this kingdom he's establishing? Jesus confronts their question and he grabs a child and these two words stuck out to me as I studied the passage. He called, someone say called, and he placed. Come on, somebody. He called and he placed. Right out the gate in our conversation of greatness and what does it mean to belong to God, I want you to know your greatness is directly tied to you being called by the God who is great and you being placed by the God in a place of flourishing. He calls us not because we're great and powerful or strong or bright, in and of ourselves, and he places us not because we've earned our way up the food chain or the place of honor, but he calls and he places us because he's a good God full of compassion, love, and mercy. And the sooner we realize that this is the posture, being called and being placed, that greatness flows from, the sooner we'll be able to participate in that greatness. Verse three says, unless you change and become like a child, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. How many know that the disciples were in class long before they met the rabbi on the Sea of Galilee and he said, hey, come to the class I'm teaching? How many know you and I from the womb were formed in the way of authority and power structures that are not usually the way that power and authority works in God's world and kingdom? So Jesus knows these knuckleheads like me and maybe like someone else in this room besides me, he knows that we spend our whole life being formed and taught and trained in a certain kind of way. But when Jesus comes to establish his way, he knows there's a confrontation. But how many know he confronts us so that we can get on living life that we dream to live, which is life in his kingdom? You see, in the disciples' vision of greatness and authority and power, what does it mean to be in charge and to call the shots and to draw the lines for who's in and who's out? People are viewed as objects, possessions, commodities to be used for your own means and your own ends. But Jesus cuts right through that. 
He says, guys, you got to change. People aren't objects. They're not possessions. They're not commodities. People are the currency of my kingdom. They're the ones I've come to live and die for. Jesus says, unless you change, you're going to miss what I'm about. Come on, how many know he calls us as we are. We never leave the same. Unless you change. Unless means that there is an invitation today for you and I to participate in a world in which God is reigning and ruling. Where wrong things are made right. Where crooked places are made straight. Low places are raised up. You and I are called to belong to this kingdom. But you've got to change. This idea of change is where we get the word turn Turn from the road that you deem as the road that leads to greatness and look to me instead for your new definition, is what Jesus is saying. He uses a simile. Does anyone know what a simile is? I had to look it up. I knew what it was, but here's the definition. Because become like. How many know when you see the word like, you're setting up a simile? It's a figure of speech that involves a comparison of one thing with another thing. Someone say one thing with another thing. And it's used to make a description that is more emphatic or vivid. So Jesus is saying, in light of their question, who's the greatest in your kingdom? Who's big and powerful and strong? Who gets to call the shots and be in authority? Jesus says, you gotta change and become like, and he grabs a kid. (laughs) One commentator says this, a little shy, vulnerable, unsure of herself, but trusting, with eyes that are clear, ready to listen, to be loved and to love, to learn and to grow, This is what true greatness is like. Go and learn about it. We all find it difficult. Remember all these disciples were all a bunch of raging young men. Come on, who's ever hung out with a bunch of young men, teenagers? Come on, somebody. And in our vision of life and greatness, there's no room for things like vulnerability and dependency and humility. How many know Jesus makes room for those things to flourish in our life? We find it difficult. And in an unprecedented measure, the movement that Jesus initiated and established, unlike all of the cultures of human history before him, humility is a virtue in following Jesus. And in the modern, in the ancient world, humility didn't make the list of virtues. It was eat or be eaten. Come on, somebody. It was crush and destroy or be crushed and destroyed. And along comes Jesus, and he grabs a kid, and he's saying, unless you adopt the humble posture, the easily overlooked posture of society and culture, you will miss the world that I'm establishing through my death and resurrection. You're gonna be on the outside looking in. Humility is the key that unlocks the kingdom. Come on, someone say that with me. Humility is the key that unlocks the kingdom. You say, Chatty, are we really talking about becoming children? Didn't Paul say in 1 Corinthians 13, putting childish ways behind me, turn to your neighbor and say, don't be a smart aleck. (laughs) Don't throw Bible verses at me. And Jesus is saying, unless you change and become vulnerable and you realize that you really are dependent upon me, you won't get to see my greatness and power show up in your life. If you depend on yourself and you're left with your own strength and your own talent and your own resources, well, once your own, once your own, when you've 
When your capacity is empty, you're, you're empty. But if you'll trust me, Jesus says, rely on me like a humble child. You're relying on my resources and mine never run dry and run out. Jesus makes it crystal clear. Remember, I just see the boys, the disciples, they just saw him transfigured and he got the bleach from heaven and his clothes were beaming with white. And Who's the greatest? You just see the disciples. It's all of us, you guys. We're knuckleheads sometimes. He says, guys, if you want to be what I'm about, if you want to be in on what I'm establishing and breathing and making available, you got to become like a child. Turn from your own path and your own vision of greatness. Become, through my grace and my leadership and presence, a vulnerable, dependent kid. And then and only then will you find yourself in my kingdom. Guys, what is it about little children that most of the time we love? (laughs) Innocence, imaginative, playful, full of wonder, faith, trust. They're quick to forgive. They give everyone a second and third and fifth and 20th chance. Every single day, my daughter comes in from playing with Madeline. I shouldn't have said the name out loud. They're not here. Okay. I'm never playing with her again, Dad. Come on, somebody. Adults do that too. We just don't say it out loud. (laughs) Every day their friendship ends and every day they play again. (laughs) Become like children. Come on, how many know we're not meant to carry that resentment, bitterness, hurts? Become like children. They're quick to forgive. I remember one day I had to discipline my daughter. It was a bad night. I was a bad dad. I was grumpy, selfish. Next morning she woke up, she forgot I was a jerk. (laughs) Become like children. Jesus says, full of faith, reliant, humble, receptive. They don't have time to hold grudges. They gotta get on living. Unless you change and become like that, Jesus said, you'll miss what I'm about. You're gonna miss it. Verse four, I'm almost done, we're cruising. Whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest, say that with me, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I think it's important to note here the big word that jumped out of me as I was studying is this word take. Everyone say take. How many know no one naturally wants to choose to become like a child? Turn to your neighbor and say amen. I want to be in control. Am I talking to anyone today besides myself? I want to be the one calling the shots. I want to be the one naming good and evil. I want to be the one saying you're in and you're out. But Jesus says you've actually got to take a posture that you wouldn't choose apart from me helping you choose it. And unless you take that posture, you will not find yourself in this orbit called greatness in my kingdom. You've got to take it. Come on, someone say you got to take it. Jesus confronts us. This word is like a sword. But he's saying you've got to take the lowly position. In your pride and in our sin and in our arrogance, we will not take that position. But when we look at the one who emptied himself of all of his divine rights, when we look at the one who came to serve instead of being served, when we look at the one who had all authority and power and he could call down 30 legions of angels, but instead he submits himself to the will of his father, when we look to him, we realize taking the position may be the best choice we could make. When we look to the one who emptied the resources of heaven's glory by taking the crown of shame so that he could make you and I the riches of God in Christ, we realize, man, maybe Jesus knows what he's talking about. Where else do we see this language of take, take, take the place of a child? That's one of the most central passages in the whole Bible. 
Whoever wants to be my disciple, my lifelong learner, my student, the apprentice of life as it was meant to be lived is what a disciple is. You got to take up your cross and follow me. And here's the language. He says, if you want to save your life and you want to white knuckle your way all the way to death, you will find that you never lived a day in your life. But if you let go of your propensity and desire to call the own shites, to, to try to control all of the outcomes, if you let go of your white knuckle grip and surrender to my grace, you'll find yourself in on life you could never have gotten to apart from me. Take up the cross. Take the lowly position of a child. This goes against the grain. Am I talking to anybody? To say the least, becoming like a child is a journey that we take on. It's a pursuit towards a kind of life that results in something great. Becoming like a child. All of the high places are already taken. Come on, somebody. Because everyone else already lives that way. What if we realized there was no line to elbow our way up to the front? We already realized that we were called back to the beginning of our passage and we were already placed in a place of favor because we've chosen to follow Jesus. How is the world doing with its conventional vision of greatness? Rhetorical question. Not so great. When we define good and evil and greatness and ungreatness and those who are in and those who are out, how many know we end up making a mess of the whole thing? Jesus deliberately chooses this way. Humble, submission, self-emptying, sacrificial love. And then he says to all of creation, follow me to where the good stuff is. Follow me to life. Follow me to experience what you could never experience apart from me. Verse five, whoever welcomes one such little child in my name actually welcomes me. This is astounding. Come on, someone say, it's not enough to become a child myself. I've got to turn around and become a welcoming party for the little, the small, the seemingly insignificant, those society deems worthless, helpless, hopeless cases. Jesus says, once you adopt this humble posture as a way of being in the world, turn around and welcome everyone else behind you. If you welcome those kinds of people, the ones that we usually write off and say are on the outside of the fringes looking in, if you turn around and you make space for them and say, I welcome you, do you realize you're actually welcoming Jesus Christ himself? You see, here's the bummer. In the worlds and kingdoms we construct, we always view Jesus on the inside in this place of, that's inaccessible, and, but when we come to Jesus' kingdom, we realize he lives on the margins, always making space for those who don't deserve it to be in on what he's about. And what we see is that this is a slow process. Can I get an amen? amen. Taking the posture of a children, taking the posture of a child is a slow, how do I know? One chapter later, you got it on the screen. One chapter later, people were bringing little children to Jesus. Matthew 19, <laughs> You'd think they would have got it. He just showed them. <laughs> to place his hands on them, to pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Do you see it? Come on, how many know Jesus has got time for everybody? <laughs> the argument, the, he's got big, come on, everyone, come on. He's got big, important things to do. Anyone believe that attitude about yourself? I know I have. I don't got time for that. His disciples are rebuking people trying to bring children to him for, the, for him to bless them. 
Jesus said, what does he say? Read it with me. Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And when he had placed his hands on them, not the ones who were trying to rebuke uh, the kids, blessing them, he went on from there. We're so used to our firm boundary lines of us and them. And Jesus says, let them come to me. Maybe you're here today wondering, is there a place for you in God's kingdom? Maybe you're here today wondering, but I'm not good enough. I don't measure up. I didn't get the grade. I don't have the pay grade. Maybe you felt you've broken too many rules. You're too bad. You don't deserve a second, third, or fourth, or fifth chance. Maybe your whole life, you've never known that there is a God who summons you to come as you are and be transformed by his grace and his love. Maybe you're here today and you never knew that God wanted you. I'm here to tell you the words of God come to me. Some of us, because of our upbringing, our brokenness or our past, the result of being taken advantage of, we put up walls to protect ourselves. You don't have to protect yourself from God. He's tender compassionate, full of love. He's never once in his whole, he's eternal, so that's a long time. (laughs) He's never once used power to manipulate, coerce, or to condemn. Guys, he's the only one in history who's only ever used power to bring life and flourishing. Jesus knows what it's like to be taken advantage of. He knows what it is to be neglected to be ostracized, to be abused, rejected, and assaulted. He's borne those wounds as you, for you, and with you so that you could come to him as you are, as a little child. You could lay down your walls and your masks, and you could receive his healing mercy and grace today. I'll take your broken pieces, the Lord says, and I'll make something beautiful with them instead. Come. Jesus says to every person in this room and those listening later, come to me like a little child and enter a world where I'm king. Call the kingdom. You're being summoned today. Your name is being called out and through his grace, he wants to place you right in the center of what he's up to in the world. John 1 says it like this, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Why? Because they were looking in all the wrong places, and their vision of greatness and power blinded them to true greatness and true power. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him, because the one he revealed himself as, the suffering servant king who was humble, they weren't interested in a king like that. Yet, come on, someone say yet. Come on, that was pretty weak. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right, which is the Greek, authority and power to become children of God. To those who accept the king and his kingdom, to those who turn from their vision and their path of greatness and authority and positions at the expense of everyone else around you and instead take the humble posture of a child who will receive a good gift from a father. If you receive Jesus as he is, he'll receive you as you are and then transform you into his image. 
You become children born not of natural descent or a decision of a husband, but you will be born of God into a new kingdom. My admonishment today and every day, this is not a one-time choice. It starts once, but it's a lifelong journey. Like a child, receive Jesus and his lordship in your life. And you'll find yourself in a new world called God's kingdom. You'll find yourself in a new spiritual family called the church, and you'll discover a new future called eternal life, which starts right here and right now. Greatness isn't something we make. Rather, it's a posture that we take on. And as we do, we increasingly, through the grace of Jesus, become more and more like our King, who is the eternal great one. Jesus said his kingdom may take a while. Come on, someone, let's be honest today. It may take a while. What did Jesus say his kingdom's like? It's like a seed. Anyone sat and watched the seed you planted until it grew into full fruition? No, you probably didn't. It's like a little bit of yeast that you work through a batch of dough. Come on, do I got any bakers in the house? It takes a little while, but if you don't abandon the kingdom project and you don't abandon the kingdom posture, you will see my kingdom established in your life and in your family and through your life and in the places that the world says is hopeless, helpless, and ostracized. You will begin to see my kingdom break in. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All the nations and peoples of every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will never pass away. His kingdom. Whose kingdom? His kingdom will never be destroyed. Jesus says, come. Stand that with me. Come on, say that with me. Come. And enter my kingdom. Come and enter my kingdom. Could you stand up to your feet with me this morning? It's 11 o'clock. We did it. Come on, who's excited for chicken, beans, and bread? I'm about to start preaching. Come on, who's confronted today by Jesus' vision of kingdom greatness? If you've, if you've been confronted, say amen. amen. But who welcomes that confrontation so we can get on living life as Jesus designed it? Amen. It's a posture we take. It's a posture we take because it's the posture he took. I love this quote. He took the cross, not so that we didn't have to, but so that we would know how to. And that's not my quote. He carried his cross. He walked the humble, reliant upon Father for everything lifestyle, not so that we wouldn't have to, but so that we would know how to. How do I live this lifestyle? Look to Jesus. Take the posture of a child. Erase your lines. Let God write the lines. I'm not saying, you get it, repentance and faith, it's all there. But if we would just get on being those who like being welcomed by the Father through the Son and the Spirit, we could become those people who just welcome people into what God is doing through Jesus. How many know we would see something we would only dreamed of seeing? So God, I pray right now for my family. I pray right now for these sons and daughters. I pray, Jesus, for those who felt like they were hopeless, helpless, 
on the margins, never included people. I pray that they would have a revelation through the power of the Holy Spirit that they have been summoned by God himself to be in on what Jesus is doing. They've been summoned to come to the table of their father and to say, I belong here. God is my father. Father, I pray that our church, as we look to the fall, would be those like little children who just perpetually bask in the goodness of our Father and who live this lifestyle of greatness as we give ourselves to you completely. Father, in this room, I pray that we would receive your Lordship, we would receive your grace, we'd receive your love and your mercy, and that God, every person in this place would experience life as it was meant to be experienced through Jesus Christ, our King and our Lord. We love you, God. We bless you and we honor you. We thank you, Jesus. You call us to follow you today. And it just starts with a yes. It starts with a turning from our path and a going on his path instead. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The way to the Father's house. So God, I pray, draw every person And let us be a church that runs into your greatness together. And we all said amen Amen. and amen and amen.